the first heart transplant was done actually in South Africa, they didn't really understand rejection. Just like you and I have different blood types, each person can have different HLA types. It is hard to find two people with the same HLA. Hi, I'm Helen Pitlick, and this is Bloodworks 101, the Anthem award-winning podcast designed to inspire you to give time, money, or blood. Or in this case, educate you about the science behind what makes each of us unique and special. You're probably aware that organ transplants require a lot of blood, in some cases up to 30 units. If you listened to episode 29 of season 3, Randy Small's heart transplant story, you know that waiting for an organ transplant is a race against the clock. There are many emotions. Hope, fear, grief, guilt. We start talking about um, absolutely that I need a transplant and there's no options. Gotta wait. And, and it's a very difficult time period because as I wrote to my church, I said, I'm waiting for someone to die. And that's a weird spot to be in. It's a powerful reminder of the importance of the life-saving gifts of blood and organ donation. And we'll make the science that you're gonna learn about here that much more meaningful. The first heart transplant was done when I was in medical school. That's Dr. Paul Pitlick, a retired pediatric cardiologist who spent most of his career practicing and teaching at Stanford University. He's not local to the Pacific Northwest, but there is a Bloodworks connection. As you may have guessed by the name, Dr. Pitlick is my dad. Uh, the first heart transplant, which was in South Africa, it made international press. About a week later, I was actually doing the cardiology clinic, the pediatric cardiology clinic, and the family brought a patient in of a child who had a really a fairly rep operable condition. We, we had good results even in those days. So he came in that day and the father told the doctor, the cardiologist, that they, they knew what he needed. And he said, he needs a heart transplant. And the cardiologist said, no, we have better operations than that. <laughs> so, and it's good because in those days, um, a heart transplant was better than doing nothing. Meaning that they were keeping track of patients who didn't get transplanted. And if you got onto the list to be transplanted, if you didn't get transplanted within a couple of months, you were dead. So it turns out the early operations, though, the first transplant patients lived only a few months and, uh, or a few, maybe a year or two. And, and so although the results were better than nothing, they were not great. And the problem was we didn't have a very good handle on rejection first heart transplant that was done actually in South Africa, they didn't really understand rejection. The operation itself is a trivial procedure, almost anybody can do it. Where the rubber hits the road is the medical management afterwards, and we really didn't have a very good management of the immune system or the anti-rejection system. When I was still practicing, the only way we could really diagnose rejection was with biopsies, which is invasive. You have to put a catheter in the vein and take a piece of heart muscle out, and there's some risk involved. And, uh, but now I understand there's a test that they can actually isolate. When a, when a patient rejects, they actually liberate some of the heart cells into the bloodstream, and there's a way that they can actually do a test in the, in the patient's blood to find out how many foreign cells are in the patient's blood. They can sort out the transplant cells from the patient's own cells. When I retired, all they were matching for was blood type, the ABO system. And 
I think there are so many other variables in there to try to find exact matches is going to be difficult. As long as we're relying on living human donors, I think it's going to be tough. It is tough to find compatible organs, really tough. I always thought rejection meant that the organ just didn't stick and slowly withered and died, kind of like when you pick a flower and then try to plant it back into the ground. It's just not going to grow. But really it's more that the recipient's body views the donor organ as a threat and attacks it. That's where Bloodworks HLA lab comes in. The official term for this lab is the Immunogenetics and Histocompatibility Laboratory. Kind of a mouthful. Not only did blood from eight local Bloodworks donors help make Randy Small's transplant possible, testing done by our donor testing and HLA labs ensured that Randy and his immune system would be the best caretakers for Kate's heart. Here's another reminder that Bloodworks is so much more than just a blood center. We've always tested, obviously, the blood donors for Bloodworks, but we've always provided our testing service to external clients. That's Mark Destry. Executive Vice President of Laboratories at Bloodworks. Mark is equal parts business person and scientist and oversees both the growth and operation of our seven testing labs. He explains how Bloodworks works with regional organ procurement organizations to facilitate life-saving matches. We service two groups we call OPOs, or Organ Procurement Organizations. The one here in Seattle is Life Center Northwest. Then there's another in Portland called Pacific Northwest Transplant Bank. So when the OPO has a donor that they'd like to evaluate, they will contact us and say, we're gonna be sending samples in. The donor testing work is done first because they wanna evaluate the organ donor and see if they're gonna be suitable. It's the same panel as we would test a blood donor for, plus a few additional tests. And we turn the results around anywhere from four to seven hours, which is stat testing. So then HLA performs their typing the donor, submits it back to UNOS, which is the United Network of Organ Sharing, and they will evaluate the typing for that donor and decide who they're going to provide organs to from a waiting list of people waiting to get kidney and liver and heart transplants and so forth. HLA stands for Human Leukocyte Antigen. It is a protein that is expressed in almost all of the nucleated cells in our body. Dr. Elaine Chowu is the co-medical director of immunogenics transplantation at Bloodworks. HLA is a system that tells your immune cells that this cell is healthy and is your cell. The problem with transplantation is like the HLA for everybody is different. It is hard to find two people with the same HLA. Dr. Idoya Himferer is Bloodworks' ASHI Director of Immunogenics. ASHI stands for American Society of Histocompatibility and Immunogenetics. We'll talk more about ASHI and what this certification means later in this episode. Doctors Chawu and Himfer work closely together, so I'll let them both explain more about what HLA is and what their lab does. They have very different ways of speaking, so I think you'll be able to keep them straight. Just like you and I have different blood types, you have AB or AB. Each person can have different HLA types too. But what's a little bit more complicated for HLA is that there are more than 20,000 different HLA proteins. So you can imagine for two people to have the same HLA type, that could be quite rare. So if I take an organ from a person and put that in another person, the immune system of the recipient will say, that is not me. 
I'm gonna fight it, something is wrong. For solid organ transplantation, the match is not perfect because somebody died and you have about 24 hours to allocate these organs in a new recipient. You don't have the luxury of time to look for the perfect recipient. So you look for the good recipient and then you use immunosuppression drugs to suppress the immune system of the recipient so it's not fighting that organ. While it makes organ transplantation kind of a pain, this sort of genetic diversity in our immune system is advantageous to the survival of the human species as a whole. The thousands of different HLA types means that it's unlikely that nobody within a population will be able to respond against any given pathogen. Someone is bound to survive, even the most deadly viruses. For example, while the AIDS epidemic has claimed millions of lives since it gained prominence in the 1980s, a small percentage of people are highly resistant to HIV, the virus that causes AIDS. The job of our lab is to make sure that all of the transplant um, candidates, they would receive an organ or organs that are HLA compatible. For solid organ, we type the donors, but we don't assess compatibility based on their typing. We assess compatibility based on if this patient has antibodies against this donor. And that's how we determine if they are compatible or not. Basically, you can have a completely different HLA type from another person, but as long as you don't have antibodies against that other type, meaning your immune cells aren't going to attack the donor organ, your body can accept that transplant. Each year we do about 20,000 different tests. Um, we do about 3,000 HLA typing for new transplant patients, um, disease donors, and living donors. We do uh, about 1,900 cross-matches. You test the patients that are waiting for an organ like every three months. You test for antibodies because people get pregnant or get transfusions, so people change. So you follow them, and then you do the testing for transplant, and then you do the post-transplant monitoring, and that's usually for the rest of the life of the organ. So you monitor them for years. We take care of the patients in the moment they are listed to the moment they lose the organ, and then a lot of time they go back to the list and we keep monitoring them. We are a very dynamic, a very big laboratory. We provide service for all Alaska, half of Washington, and then a little bit of Idaho, a little bit of Montana. So we are the main HLA laboratory in the area. Usually, the HLA laboratories belong to the transplant center, or are part of the transplant center. Because we don't belong to any transplant center, we can work with all the transplant center in an independent manner. And we have access to blood products when we need them. If this all sounds very complicated, it is. Not just anyone can run an HLA lab. To qualify for an HLA director, you have to be either a PhD or MD, and then you have to go into this, like a fellowship program that's about two years, that is regulated by our um, accreditation body that's called ASHI, American Society of Histocompatibility and Immunogenetics. Within these two years, you have to learn about HLA, of course, learn about how to manage a lab. You have to do case studies to show that you really understand on what HLA testing entails. And at the end, you have to do a 
two tests. You have to do a written or test, and then you have to do a oral test too. And uh, that's how you become a nature director if you pass all these <laughs> these exams. With so much time and work involved to become an HLA lab director, it helps to have a personal connection to organ transplantation, as Dr. Himverer does. I was interested in transplantation since I was a kid because I have my uncle, he had three transplants, three kidney, one liver, and he ended up dying with, after one of the transplants because he was too sick. The fun fact is he got transplanted. I was already, it was in Spain and I was already doing transplantation in Spain. And he was transplanted the day before I was on call. So I could see the follow-up of him being transplanted. So I always been connected to that. So, so and I think it's really fulfilling for, for me to dedicate my life to that because I know how he suffered. So I understand how patients suffer waiting for an organ and how desperate they are when they have to wait like year. My dad retired 20 years ago, and our understanding of the immune system and rejection of donated organs has evolved significantly, even though it feels like just yesterday. 20 years ago, nobody understood immunology, and now everybody's desperate, you know, because COVID also. But it's something that it had a lot of growth, and where I was trained as an immunologist, it was the big laboratory for transplantation in Spain. So this is where I got my connection and because I have family, related family that were sick and going through the process, I totally got involved in that. At the beginning, it was when you put in, for say, kidney transplant. You put in a kidney and then you see what happens, right? And then when it's more and more recognized that HLA does play a big role in transplantation, then that's at the time that you start to think, okay, if this person is really compatible with my patient, right, if this organ is. And the technique for HLA testing or antibody testing also evolved a lot, very, very, very much. So at the beginning, uh, when they were doing HLA typing or HLA antibody testing, they were using actual cells, right? So that takes a lot of time and the tech have to come in for like 12 hours to finish a testing. And then the field involves into, you look at DNA for typing, right? And now our lab can do an, an HLA typing in about two hours. Right? So the whole thing is involved and then now the field is even looking into the details of the typing. Say um, if this donor and that patient is really compatible to the molecular level. So it's all involving really, really fast and I think that's part of why we're such a busy lab because the field just keeps going and really, really, really rapidly. And you have new research that comes up all the time on, you know, even with things you already know, there's still some things you need to learn. It's like that. And I think that's, that's why our, our staff are, are so devoted to the lab because you never got bored. It doesn't take years and years of school and study to be able to save a life. You can do so by making an appointment to give blood and rolling up your sleeve because despite all of the science behind it, a transplant simply can't happen if there isn't enough donated blood available. And register to become an organ donor. It's easy. The list of people waiting for organs increases because there is more people 
needing an organ that organ transplanted, that's one of the big problems. So one of the things that we need to transmit to the community is you are going to get a license, please check the box of being a donor because that will help the community, that will help your parent, your uncle, somebody, a friend. We need more donors. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode of Bloodworks 101 and maybe tell a friend. We're sure you've got someone who's looking to add another great podcast to their rotation.